Friends, a podcast where two friends share tips and experiences from our own writing journeys. So good morning, welcome back to the Aspiring Authors Podcast. Hello, good morning. Hello. How are you today? How's your writing been this week? Um, it's been good-ish. It's been all right. I'm still editing, uh, but I am well over halfway, I believe. Oh, that's good. Um, and it was going well, but now I'm seeing, yeah, now I'm seeing that there. It, it does sound a bit wobbly now, so I'm taking a bit longer to get through some sentences, but I'm still enjoying it, and I I do see the difference compared to my first my first novel um this is the second one and I do see the difference in my writing this is because I had done this novel through NaNoWriMo so that was the word count every day you had to get through and it was all very rushed but it was all planned what I was going to write well to a certain degree and now I think I'm seeing the benefits of it um having it that way compared to my first which I was a bit more pantser. Um, so, yeah, so now at the editing stage, I'm now seeing it, um, that the NaNoWriMo really um, worked for me. Oh, that's um, good. But, yeah, that's I've been doing a bit of that this week. Yeah. How about you? How have you been? Is it a good week, bad week for writing? An okay week for writing, but I've been doing more editing on my first book um, since I got it back from the my editor friend. So I've been going through um, that, reading it, um, and I'm just going through it as a reader first, getting it back, getting myself familiarised with it, and then I'm making kind of little notes. Um, okay, add lines here, change like little bits here and there, or if I need to add a chapter. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Okay, I don't want to sound like ego or anything like that but I'm enjoying it to read it as a write as a reader I'm kind of going <laughs> oh oh what's oh yeah I remember what's coming up oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah I'm enjoying reading it just as a reader so I think yeah it's quite fun that way so uh, but it has taken a long that's that's cool so we're yeah, both kind of similar taken a long time to get here though at similar stages oh that's cool so this week we're talking about the love interest. Yes. Last week we talked about the characters. Yeah. Last week was characters, yeah. This week's the love interest. So we're just focusing not so much on romance. No. That'll but be another one. Focusing on the love interest in particular. Yeah, more the person than the character. It's gonna be more from our um so our perspective, yes. which is really heterosexual. Um relationships unfortunately because I don't really have any experience or because I don't read any LGBTQIA novels I hope I have included everyone in that um yes so for me it's heterosexual I'm afraid and I believe it's the same for you it is I mean that's the thing I mean love interest can be anyone um, in this day and age and everything, and but we are drawing from 
the stereotype heterosexual because that is what we know but we don't want to exclude anyone from this conversation mm-hmm. and I think because we're talking about character arcs yeah. and the love interest I think it can be applied to anyone so we're just using examples of a, from a, a female male point of view but it could be anyone so we don't want to exclude anyone from this conversation but we will mm-hmm. be using examples that are heterosexual all right so Haley, let's start with this question okay. so how do you decide what traits the love interest will have mm. um okay so for me the the traits that the love interest has to have are based around the main character the protagonist i think you need to have what her her need is because we both write from a field point of view i think you just have to kind of base it around what their need is who their love interest needs to be what journey they're going on what are they asking themselves and yeah so i think we have to you have to go from it from that angle what would your be what in um traits would your love interest have be it can be quite difficult Um, this question so I've been thinking about it and part of it is what I find appealing as a reader um, but obviously tweak to what the protagonist would like and it has to kind of contrast with what the protagonist they they have to be different there has to be a give and take but they have to be contrasting in some ways Maybe she's controlling and he is relaxed and free and easy. You know, those kind of things. Unless you want conflict and they both have to be dramatic. Yeah. Um, The last novel I was writing, I draw up a table um, of their strengths and weaknesses. I'm not sure if I mentioned this on the last podcast. I might have done, so apologies. But just um, skipping over it slightly, yeah, I write down the the love interest and the protagonist's strengths and weaknesses and try and see uh, what's the differences and how they kind of marry up. And yeah, that's how, that's how I draft it out first. That's a good idea. Um, but mainly and initially it's, yeah, it's my own kind of thoughts on the love interest initially and then from that I'll draft up a table and tweak it to what the protagonist would like. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing as well because you write from women's fiction's point of view and it's, I think, though it's but more different kind of genre, different expectations possibly of the traits of the love interest compared to I write more historical fiction. Mm. So there is different influences that stems behind the love interest. I think for my um, first book, Rope Walk, there is two male points of views in that and they are completely different and one is more domineering and one is more kind of charismatic um so it's it's different because of the different influences behind the character's backstory then stems and influences 
their traits as well, but it's also the expectation of more of a historical maybe as well. So mm. there's so many different angles, isn't there? There are, yeah. My, uh, mine as well are, are not fully focused on the romance, although the second book is a bit more... I would call it a bit more of a romance compared to the first one. The first one uh, is more about her finding herself, and there's a there's um, the love interest, but it's not a focal point. the The point is is her. I shouldn't be saying too much. Um, <laughs> uh, but yes, I still I still feel like I have to swoon first. Yeah, and if I swoon, then hopefully my reader will swoon. No, yeah, I completely get that one. Yeah. <laughs> I think you have to be drawn to the person. Yeah. Well, you have to be because you've got to have that interest to write about them, don't you? So you've got to be drawn to them. Um, you have to be... They have to be attractive to you to be able to put that across. I mean, they're not gonna. you're not going to write your ideal man in every novel that you do because... It will generally be the same person. No. But I think you have to be attracted to them, and I think <laughs> you have to have that swoon. And so when you're writing um, the romantic scenes, then you've got... If your heart is kind of palpitating when you're reading it or writing it kind of thing, and then hopefully it's coming across to the reader that there's this awkwardness or there's this longing mm. or desire or lust or anything kind of those aspects when you're <laughs> writing it. But also, and I think as a writer doing those scenes, sometimes you do blush. I, I don't know about you, but I do. So it's just like, oh my goodness. Oh, oh I was today. <laughs> Yeah, I was at the uh, um, a scene I was reading yeah. through for editing, and I was like, "Oh, he he's like he's like coming closer to her," and ooh, um, yeah, it's all very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> what are we like though? We're just so we just uh, we're romantics at heart, really, aren't we, Haley? God, we are. <laughs> Love's important. <laughs> so, do you base? the love interest on someone you know or do you completely make them up no that's interesting isn't it the protagonist my female point of view i semi base it on people that i know um partly myself i think so far i've written the different angles mm -hmm. of myself that you kind of draw upon um not completely obviously but there is aspects of myself in them but um, the love interest, not so much. I do it more on um, the ideal. I do it more on what the, the protagonist needs and what her story needs and the different angles. And I think the first one I wrote, he was a bit more of an ideal in the first book, um, one of them anyway was a bit more of an ideal historical period drama love interest i would say but with a bit more backbone um so it was kind of drawing upon that different influences that i read more than i knew how about you do you draw on anyone that you know is there any old boyfriends peering their heads up <laughs> 
of course not. Um, I don't think about any other men. <laughs> oh my god! I hope my husband is not listening to this. Um, anyway, yeah, we'll, uh, this we'll, we'll just we'll, mute. We'll um, I initially base it on someone I know, but it won't. It won't end up being that person. But it's kind of like the the dream version of the of this. Um, person that I know Uh, yeah and then from that I'll maybe add in characteristics from someone I've read in a book or um yeah a costume drama which um I have for have stolen some traits um for my last for the novel I'm reading right now um but yes I do base on someone um to kind of get that image in my head and then adapt it with kind of make-believe qualities. That's really about it. It's quite hard to really put into words, isn't it? Because, yeah, it's it's still a process I'm learning. Um, yeah, I think in our stories, the um, protagonist and the antagonist dominates more in the story. And so I think the love interest is very much supporting character as a B character it's kind of an A character because it depends on the arc of the story and the plotting and everything but I do find that they revolve around um, the protagonist but actually saying that I realised reading through um, my current draft of uh, my first book that I've done a lot more point of views from his than I realised so I think that's oh, right. interesting. It's giving him a bit more of a voice and giving his backstory and his different angles towards the um, the protagonist. So, yeah, it is, it's an interesting one because you don't want them to dominate over the main person of the story, but you want them to have enough that they stand alone as well. Yes, and to make it authentic that yeah. the are drawn to the protagonist as well, if you make them too amazing, because everyone's flawed. Oh, hell yes. So No one's perfect. Um, <laughs> no, ooh, ooh. <laughs> How do you make someone attractive? How do you write that person? How is there some techniques you do to make them um, seem attractive? Or are they attractive in your books? The love interest. Well, yeah. But that's the thing though, attractiveness is from the eye of the beholder, in a sense. So I think you have mm-hmm. to make all their characteristics being attractive, rather than just their looks. Because one mm-hmm. character and the way he's described isn't everyone's idea of what a man should look like. So I think it has to be their character arcs and the personality that has to shine through and make them attractive so it's like beauty lies within so it's making that element shine out and making them intriguing and attractive for the person to invest in just like I think the protagonist you can't she might be beautiful but one person's beauty isn't the same as the other so I think it has to be their actual personalities their arcs, their traits that makes them 
beautiful and attractive rather than just oh they have blonde hair they have brown eyes they have um chestnut hair they have long they have short hair it's everyone has different tastes so i think mm. the looks technically aren't as important as the actual character arcs i think that's what makes them attractive that's what people want to invest in really what do you think um i agree obviously because i'm not so shallow but i'm a little bit shallow um well <laughs> good looks you know it's always nice um so yeah i don't focus on the looks i like to let the reader imagine a lot so i will say things like their their hair color their if they're what kind of build they are their eyes and little things like that but i won't really go overboard i i want the reader to imagine with those features um yeah that the reader just imagines the type of dream boat that they want to imagine a thing i really like is the protagonist being really attracted to the love interest um i don't know i i just really like that because i feel like you don't hear that enough it's like you know that we're talking here the protagonist from from uh, my point of view the protagonist is the woman and the love interest is the male right yeah um so we don't really see so much of the women like lusting after the male you know just being really attracted to him knowing what she's attracted to it normally seems to be the other way around but That's i true. like I like seeing that and I like going down that avenue with um, with my characters that they can't help themselves. They're so attracted to this man. And it's not just because of his looks. It's all the, the things that might be different from them. And it's just like very sexy, but not too sexy. I don't, I don't do that kind of writing. Yeah. And I think, again, it's slightly different with the different genres that you can have... I don't know, mm-hmm. though. This might be completely wrong, and this might be me stereotyping, but in women fiction, you can have them a bit more sexy and a bit more dominating and a bit more lusting after them, and you can express it a lot more, I think, in the in your novels. Where in mine, can I be so forward? Can I be so bold in, in historical fiction? Or do they have to be a bit more demure? And so I think it's finding that But they can think it, though. That she's human, she's... Mm. Yeah, they can think it. But it's different influences of the time that if they have a single kiss, should they get married the next day? So it's that... Definitely. Yeah. And that's what I love about, like, the historical... Uh, historical romances or costume dramas. I love the restraint yeah. and, you know, the not touching and it's just like this pent-up passion but they can't do anything because if they do anything, they, you know, will have to get married immediately or, you know, someone will be disgraced or whatever. Um, so it's all about <laughs> yeah. that restraint um, and it's so yeah. sexy. Nowadays, that's the question. You can just, uh, you know, they could just go for it who's to say anything but there needs to be something for me I quite like that restraint still um in today's books so if there's something that's keeping them apart that's really 
interesting sexy to write definitely i think it's having that conflict isn't it in um modern mm. women's fiction is that they could have multiple one night stands with men and people wouldn't buy an eyelid because that's modern day life that women and men can do that if they wish to but there has to be yeah that conflict something they're putting at risk is that um, are they doing having the one night stands or something like that because they socially don't have enough confidence to actually fall in love or they can't do that and if they have one night stand are they putting their relationship in jeopardy and so I think yeah there has to be a cost attached to it doesn't there to be that restraint I mm. think with modern day so we were going to chat about love interests and fairy tales yes as um, young girls, both of us, I don't know about you, but um, <laughs> I grew up on fairy tales and you have um, Disney to a certain point and I think the love interest took a very much of a sideline, didn't they? They kind of turned up, the Prince Charming, especially if you compare it to... Um, modern, not modern, the old ones, old Disney films, where you look at like Prince Charming and Cinderella, or you look at the prince, who I'm not too sure is called, in Snow White, they literally turn up, say hi, have a dance, have a little sing, and woohoo, they're in love, and they're um, happily ever after. And it's just, but then as you watch the fairy tales progress to modern day fairy tales, then the love interest got a bigger arc. They've got a bigger backstory. They've got conflict involved. They're a bit more dominating within the storyline and there's a reason why they fall in love and they explain it a lot more and they go on a journey together rather than they turn up, have a little sing-song and happily ever after. How, what was your um, experience as a wean? <laughs> I, uh, as a as a little child, little quiet child, <laughs> I would get, yeah, I, I had this, the same. Uh, I guess it focused more on the nice, the nice fairy tales, uh, your Snow Whites, your Cinderella's, Sleeping Beauties. And they really generally focused around the women, uh, sorry, the girls looking really pretty. They were, you know, they were staggeringly beautiful. And the prince fell in love with them because of their beauty. I'm not really sure that there was much else to it. Maybe their voice. Um, like even the mermaid one, Little Mermaid. Like it's, the, it's the superficial things, isn't it? Um, and that's what we're taught as girl, little girls. Maybe it didn't really matter <laughs> what you were like as a person. That didn't really matter as much as looking good. Um, yes, but I digress. So um, the question was, uh, yeah, can, so the love interest in those, they didn't really do a whole lot, did they? They just, um, they would always rescue, rescue yeah. the, the female character in some way because they needed to be rescued always. Yeah, I think the one that changed it around for me recently because I've got a little girl and she likes Disney, um, is that Beauty and the Beast kind of started to change it, I think. 
with how they portray fairy tales because you saw the beast's journey. The beauty had to save him in a way and she had to see the beauty within him and um, to see his actually mm. two characteristics and he had to go through a hell of a journey from transforming through from being a beast to being a man and then beauty seeing that and then falling in love with the man within so I think that's the first one where you actually see an actual fairy tale love interest arc and his progression and how she saves him Um, and I think it's yeah because you've got also Gaston who's the villain in it kind of he turns from being a man to a beast so they kind of swap sides almost when they're going one becomes a beast becomes a man and the other one a man becomes a beast because it becomes that kind of evil intent um so I think for me looking back that's the kind of the change in looking at modern fairy tales and how they're changing it to the everyday stuff and then from that point you start to see a bit more of an arc in the male's journeys to modern day ones now I think especially when you see like Frozen that's everywhere you have the love interest he's got his own journey he's got his own backstory and Anna is very much the person who saves it and the women and empowerment but he supports her as it goes along and he doesn't dominate the story because the story is about the two sisters fairy tales are adapting and changing just where we have come now though yeah they are yeah like with society has changed and women have more of a say and yeah everything and it's great so it's finally so that is changing in the stories that we read and the love interest and the protagonist they have to be more equal yeah than her looking up to this rich prince she's poor you know she he's like the oh actually this is a i find this interesting they say in a relationship there's a, a settler and a reacher oh you heard of that yeah yeah so, so like with all these fairy tales like the the girl was the reacher and the yeah. prince <laughs> settled for some peasant girl and it kind of and with the classics that we that we love with the costume dramas they kind of go to that as well which i love i do love that but i am seeing it in a different angle now yeah mine has kind of a bit like that yeah it? yeah <laughs> Absolutely, because we also looked at the classics. So you were looking at this week. I was looking Jane Eyre. Jane Eyre, yep. And the the position between Mr. Rochester and Jane Eyre and their relationship. And um, you were looking at... Persuasion. With Anne and Mr. Wentworth. And... Both of, like, we just deci- we decided what we were going to look at in depth, uh, mainly because we both wanted to watch costume <laughs> drama at our leisure. Any excuse. Uh, any excuse. Um, <laughs> but we didn't really say, oh, what are you going to watch? We didn't really plan no. it. You'd said, okay, I'm, I'm going to do um, Jane Eyre. And I was like, oh, I'm doing Persuasion. 
And now thinking about it, they're both quite similar in the sense that the protagonist, Anne, is like the kind of plain Jane and she gets overlooked. Her yes. her father is just like, you know, oh God, you're just such a waste of time. You're just like, what? Like you're so plain and um, he thinks he's beautiful and her, her sister's nightmare. And how she gets, she kind of gets stepped on and trodden on. But then you gradually see that there is more to her and she is she's a beautiful human then she sees um mr wentworth who was a past love and she refused him before because she was persuaded by someone that you know it might not be a good idea um so she's always regretted that i'm just giving you the lowdown on persuasion so when she sees him again he you know he comes across as um like hostile and just like blanks her but you know his I mean he was rejected passion was always there and he's yeah yeah he was rejected and that that's all he sees from her uh but now he comes back he's more successful so she's not as successful as she once was there her family has um got some money issues and he is risen and is wealthy so yeah, the power has changed, but he is higher in a way than her. Yeah. So he, in a way, is settling and she's reaching. Yeah, it was the other way around, yeah. I think yours was kind of similar. Um, yeah, apart from you've got the the switch in yours that the dynamics change. Um, I think with Jane Eyre, what I love about it is that, yeah, you have got... Her confidence is absolutely shattered. She hasn't had love and she hasn't been in love um, growing up. So her kind of view on things is a bit more innocent and naive. Um, And then she becomes a governess at um, Rochester Hall and falls in love with Mr. Rochester because he starts to see her as she really is and appreciate who she is and has a conversation with her and he sees this innocent and naivety because of and I won't spoil it because of certain angles and he just finds he can talk to her unlike all the pretentious of the women that he's been forced to communicate with Mm. and they get to know each other on face value and they bring out this relaxed but dynamic personalities in both they create a um, a strong bond where no one else kind of understands it and breaks down society rules in a way and I think his character though, his arc is very interesting, it's very dark it's quite damaged as well and I think for a book in that day and age he has the greatest arc I would say um, that you see this dark persona that becomes a bit lighter, but he's also cheeky and charismatic, and you're not too sure how to read him where you stand with him because he's not too sure himself, and it's allowing him to let his guard down. And I think when you compare it to other, but that also has an effect on her because yeah. he kind of makes her lighten up a bit when he's he's all cheeky and charismatic and she eventually gets more confident and blossoms a bit because before you didn't really see too much personality I didn't think until gradually 
and then she just loosens up and they both complement each other. Yeah, I mean, you see the subtle personalities in Jane as she grows up and the um, self-reliance and the determination and the quietness and reserve. I think you see that in her actions when she's growing up, but she doesn't shine I think until Mr. Rochester starts to bring that side of her out and she starts to be a bit more bold and forthright and a bit more confident within herself and going, no, I am a capable young woman. I can achieve this. I can do that. So I think you do see her personality blossom um, as the story progresses. So you kind of, they help to bring each other up. And I think that's what I love about Mm-hmm. Jane Eyre and Mr. Rochester as a period drama, costume um, drama kind of love interest is that you do see, I mean the complete comparison is Mr. Darcy where you see he's all pride and he's all kind of withheld and everything at the beginning and then he starts to soften up but you don't see a lot of character arc you don't see Yes, he lets his guard down. Yes, he doesn't judge it because she hasn't got as much money as him. But you don't see his personality develop and change in the same way. You don't see the driving force. Yes, he might have fallen in love with Elizabeth Bennet, but why has he fallen in love? Where is this um, journey that he goes on? You see a lot of her journey and her sister's journey, and that's how it should be, but you don't see his journey as much. You don't see his torment and mm. struggles. You see it's a bit more of a fairy tale, I think, for Pride and Prejudice with Mr. Darcy. Do you think we would want to read about him, a wealthy man who um, can have anything he wants? You know, in that, in that period, you know, they were... They were kings. They owned the world. So I don't know if if you really would be interested in reading things too much from his perspective. It's more about Elizabeth and their kind of struggle and everything going on in her family with all her sisters. And he is there. You know, it is a, a classic love story. But there's so many other factors. I think there was enough of him. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's true, but like you, like, like we said at the beginning, no, no one's perfect. There's got to be, I mean, yes. he talks about his father, but he never talks about his mother. He talks about being overprotective with his sister and mm-hmm. how he had to save her from Wickham and everything. But you don't see his own personal struggles in that sense, he, what, who he confines in. Um... It's Bingley, but even with Bingley, he's reserved. There is an arc there, but she doesn't portray it as much. You don't get to the nitty-gritty. It's very surface. It's an iceberg, I think, with Darcy. Is that? I think that's maybe why there's been so many adaptations of it. But isn't that... That could be the appeal, though. Yeah. With... Uh... You know, we can we can think up our own stories for his mother or, you know, uh, everything doesn't need to be out out in the open for us to see. It's kind of a bit more mysterious and um, leave us wanting to know more about Darcy. Maybe that's why he's, you know, one of the top Jane Austen men that everyone loves. 
I, uh, I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's finding the balance. Mysterious. I mean, um, on an upcoming podcast, we're going to talk about the antagonist. It's having that... Are we? Yes. Um, I just decided. Um, <laughs> and I think it's you, hard to you've write. Just, you just decided now. Yeah. Um, and I think it's having a <laughs> look at their arc because it's also no one wants someone truly evil as well. So I think in this day and age, no. someone has to have some sort of backstory. It's up to you whether or not you describe it or not, but I think they have to have a backstory. I think they have to have a justification for their actions. No yeah. one will take someone that's face value. No one will take a prince coming in, swooning in, and just being perfect, sweeping them off their feet and riding off in the distance. You want to have a bit of conversation. You want to know why they've fallen in love. Because... We question things too much. I think in today's society, men and women should be equal, and we are equal, and we're not going to take everything for face value. We're not going to just have the typical fairy tale because we know too much about psychology and human behaviour and human interests and stuff like that. And I think it needs to be portrayed in the books, whether or not it's a single line or it's a whole chapter dedicated that sound to the writer. But I think there needs to be more of a hint towards it, more of a, why is this person being this way? Yeah. I'm just interested how we both, um, going back to Jane Eyre and Persuasion, the protagonists were kind of similar in some ways. It's like um, the modern day movies, films of um, high school and there's like the jock or whatever they have. Do they call him the jock? Yeah. Yes. In America. And he's the successful one. He's a popular one. And then there's the the kind of dorky girl, we'll say. Well, she can't believe her luck that he is looking at her. I, I find that fascinating. And I think I I see myself that way, that I am the, the plain Jane. And if... My love interest, if I was fantasising about, um, you know, reading a book and picturing myself in that person's perspective, um, the love interest, yeah, looking at me and they're just so special. I, I put myself in the plain Jane shoes more than I would someone who's successful and got it all going uh, yeah, on. Yeah, I think I'm the same. I'm the plain Jane and reaching out for the handsome boy. Who we, we are as readers as well that we're attracted to, to that. So tips, my tips for um, writing the love interest. Make them as authentic as you can. Make them flawed. You know, what's their, what's their issues? What do they have inner conflict? They can't be perfect now, can they? So yeah, they have to make <laughs> them flawed. The other thing I would say is... I think a big thing is that they are passionate about, if it's the protagonist, um, they are passionate about the protagonist. I think that's a really attractive quality. They're focused and just all-consuming with this kind of love. I feel like passionate as possible because otherwise I'm not really fussed if I read a, a novel and they're just kind of coasting along and it's nice there has to be a bit more oomph to it 
Um, and how do you write that though? That is the question. That's very hard. I recommend watch lots of costume dramas because <laughs> frankly, they're just a great waste of time. No, they're not. They're a great amount of time spent. I think that's the ideal though, isn't it? You want, to, when you're reading those kind of books and you're reading a bit of romance, you want the, uh, the love interest to yearn after the protagonist because that's what you would want in your life. Yes. You want the guy to yearn after you, yep. that you are the central focus in your life. And I think if you have, especially if you're dating someone who's acting nonchalant mm-hmm. and then you read a book and the love interest is nonchalant towards yeah. the protagonist, you're like, you know what, no. I need to escape. I want the idea. Exactly. Man. I want him to swoop exactly. in and conquer and swoop her off of and that's and what, fall in love with her. And... That's, <laughs> that's what I noticed with um, watching Notebook. The Notebook is okay. I'm not the biggest fan of it, but I did watch it recently. And watching that with the, uh, you know, the costume dramas I know, I realise that, yeah, the love interest is very focused and very intense with their um, passion uh, for the protagonist. Like, that is what they have in common. I think it's also important to write someone who knows what they want. If it is... Yes. If it is the protagonist, that's great. But also something else that they know who they are because there's nothing more unattractive than a wishy-washy person. I don't know... um, about Unless that's about the that, journey but... that they're on and then at the end they dis- discover who they are. It depends mm. on the journey that they're on, but yeah. yeah, very much so. Depends the type of story, but for for me that's uh, kind of goes with the passion is that they know what they want. What kind of tips do you have, Hilly? Um I would say my tips are quite similar to yours. Um, mine would be have an image that you want to portray um, in your mind when you're writing your love interest I think like you I think you were saying make them real um, have their characters arcs make them flawed because no one's perfect no one um, but have a clear image in your head um, what they're like what they look like how they act how they walk because I think if you have a clear image then you can kind of describe little bits within their character arc but I think for a good way of doing that would be also to maybe like you said watch some costume dramas watch some rom-coms haven't sometimes if you're struggling to picture the person in your head um and I would say this with all of the characters is that have an actor in mind who which actors would you play your characters and it's not about the actors themselves but it's kind of image imagining it as a film um, a tv series and trying to think of it they're betraying that way they're acting that way how would you want to watch it how would you be engrossed with it by episode or by Mm. scene and just i think my last one would be center them around your protagonist i think for it to really work your protagonist is the hero of your story. Your love interest isn't as much. I mean, they've got a hell of a voice in it, but make them a reflection of what your protagonist needs as well. So that 
that it helps to yeah. move the story along rather than hold it up. Okay, so we're going to wrap this up. Okay. Hayley, um, next week we're going to talk about the antagonist. Yes. Um, so that's going to be exciting. And where can people find us? You can find us on Twitter at Aspiring Author Pod. Um, throw us a line, throw us a question, tweet us. And you can also find us at Aspiring Authors at Outlook.com. Excellent. Yeah, with um, Twitter, we'd love to see your tips on writing the love interest. Yes. Or who is the, the best love interest in you know literature can yeah, you send us a gift of the image <laughs> i'd love to hear i'd love to hear is it mr wentworth from <laughs> persuasion because it's mine too see you next week and thank you for listening to aspiring authors bye bye thanks for listening to aspiring authors you can find us on Twitter at Aspiring Authors Pod. Credit goes to Josh Woodward for our theme music, Once Tomorrow.